Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to come for us. And we celebrate him now, Lord, um, at this special time of year. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue in worship. If you're just joining us online or wherever you're at, my name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell, and we are super glad you're here to worship with us tonight. I have in my pocket a number two American pencil. You've probably seen one of these before, not very fancy. You get them for free at the dentist office and all kinds of amazing treat bags. This one looks like one that is frequently found in our house, which means that it has no eraser. Exactly right. It seems like, for whatever reason, there's always way more ink or lead than eraser. There's way more mistakes in this thing than what they give you eraser to cover. I think they should make better pencils. Perhaps there's some engineer out there smart enough to figure out how to balance and how to make a pencil that would finally come with enough eraser to cover the entire life. Tonight I want to talk about Jesus. And in particular, I want to ask three questions about this person. And they are these. Number one, what did he do? Number two, what do we need? And number three, so what? What do we need? What did he do? And so what? Matthew chapter 1, which you heard Ted read from earlier, um, has a verse in it, in verse 21, that says this. It says, She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. For those who have been around church, you've probably heard Jesus referred to as a Savior. And for those of you who haven't, you've probably heard us call him by such a title. And the question then becomes, I think, do we really need a Savior? I mean, I can understand in the, 21st, or in the first century why they would want a Savior. They're under the thumb of the Roman authority, and they're oppressed, and they need delivered, and yada yada. But today... In North America, in the United States, or wherever you're watching, why would we need a Savior? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, book 4, chapter 7, says this, When I come to my evening prayers and try to reckon up the sins of the day, nine times out of ten, the most obvious one is some, some sin against charity. I have sulked or snapped or sneered or snubbed or stormed. And the excuse that immediately springs to my mind is that the provocation was so sudden and unexpected. I was caught off guard. I had no time to collect myself. Now that may be an extenuating circumstance as regards those particular acts, and indeed they would obviously be worse if they had been deliberate and premeditated. But on the other hand, Surely what a man does when he is taken off guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has had time to put on a disguise is the truth. In other words, if there are rats in the cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats, it only prevents them from hiding. 
In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. The rats are always there. Do I need a savior? The rats say yes. Lurking in all of us is that thing beneath the surface, a dark reality that the Bible calls sin. We see it in our attitudes, in our behaviors, in our very nature itself. In other words, we need a Savior. This is why Jesus came. Jesus did everything that was necessary in order to save us. He became a human being. That is, God himself, the eternal, infinite creator of all things, became a creature. The infinite became finite. He lived a perfect life, that one thing which all of us desire to do, but none of us can. And he died on the cross in order to take away my sin and give me his perfection. His death served as the payment for my sin, and his death was my substitute. The Father proved that Jesus was indeed his Son by raising him from the dead and raising him to his right hand, vindicating him as the righteous one. Everything that was necessary, Jesus did. What do we need? We need a Savior. What did he do? Jesus saved us. If you look again at this verse, what you see in verse 21 is that it says, the, the announcement to Mary says, she will bear a son. She bore a son. You shall call his name Jesus. They called him Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. He did. Jesus did it. What he was sent to do, he did. Jesus saved us from our sins. Therefore, how are we to respond? Well, Jesus himself tells us in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he says this, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, that's the good news of his victory, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, if you're like me, when I hear that word repent, it's a little bit of a bad word at times. It brings with it the sense of guilt and remorse. Like, I know I messed up. I know that I did something bad. There were rats in the cellar, and all of a sudden they came out, and I'm a little bit embarrassed. I don't really want to go there if I don't have to. And so sometimes we try to avoid repentance, we try to ignore repentance, we try to stuff repentance, we try to um, get away from it in every way we can. But what is important for us to realize is Jesus is not coming saying to repent in the sense of be sullen and miserable and guilty, but what instead he is saying is to turn from where you were at and move towards him. Repentance is not groveling in despair, but instead it's an act of courage. It is the willingness to look it in the eye and say, yep, that's me. I own it. Those are my rats, and I need to get rid of them. It takes courage and humility and honesty. 
It means confessing to Christ all of our sins. The sin of unbelief, of rejecting him. The sins of things that we have done that are bad. And even, get this, the things that we have not done that we should have. And I don't know which situation you're in tonight as you look back on 2020, but if you're like me, there's probably a lot of sins there to confess. Maybe you're someone who's never believed in Jesus ever. If that is the case, then you need to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you accept him then as your Savior, you transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from death to life, and you have your sins forgiven. That is the first and most important thing. The greatest sin is not any of the list that anyone else would tell you, but the greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. Repent of that sin and believe in Jesus. And then after you do that, you become what we call a Christian, or you're saved, or you're born again. But you don't stop believing in that at that point. Instead, you continue that same process, not from unbelief to belief, but for every single little thing we do, we continue to repent and believe and repent and believe and repent and believe and we believe that Jesus' blood was more precious, his sacrifice more effective, and his resurrection more powerful than all of our sins. And so we do not stay where we were at. We do not wallow in that sin and guilt and misery, but instead we move from slavery to freedom, from death to life, and we believe the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, nine gives us this hope. It says this, Look, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know if you're, I'm guessing, I don't really know, but if your life is like mine, it's probably like this pencil. There's a lot more mistakes than I could ever erase. But I'm so, so thankful that I'm not the one writing the story. But instead, God in his eternal decrees has determined before the foundation of the world that Christ, my Savior, would take care of all of my sin and guilt. We need our sin eliminated. Jesus did it. Repent and believe. Now here's the final good news. The encouraging... The the most encouraging part of this is this, is look, I've been saying repent, 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 repent. But look, when you repent and when you believe and you go to Jesus, your burdens are lifted. And he tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, as the story continues, he says, Come to me, all you who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you repent and believe, Jesus forgives you. He takes your burden. He carries it for you. And you take his yoke upon you, you learn from him, for he is gentle and lowly in heart, and we find rest for our souls. For his yoke yoke is easy, and his burden is light. As we celebrate Christmas this year, and we look forward to the coming of uh, Christ again, and the coming of 2021, I want to encourage you to do that simple thing that Christians have always done, is to repent and believe, to repent and believe. We need a Savior. 
I need a Savior. You need a Savior. The joy of Christmas, of course, is not the gifts, the shopping, the change of pace, the activities, or anything else, but the fact that Christ has covered our sin and is coming again. Father, we thank you and praise you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you that he cleanses us from all of our sin, that he makes up for all of our mistakes, that he gives us rest. I pray, God, that as we continue tonight, that we would truly worship him, that we would worship him this year with our lives, our attitudes, our behaviors, and everything else. In Jesus' name, amen.